Hour number two of the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. Making it. Larry D. Flores holding down for you here on your Turn It On, Leave It On station. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app, the truck wreck. Here I go again. The regular text line, 877-881-1053. 877-881-1053 if you want to get in on the conversation. Having to deprogram that has been a little bit more challenging than what I thought it was going to be. But we're working our way through it. On this Wednesday night, we're live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam and on YouTube as well, 105 Through the Fan on YouTube. Fallout from Game 3 of the Western Conference Final between the Stars and the Golden That's Knights. That's right. There you go. I looked at the run sheet and I saw a WCF and my mind immediately went to what just happened between the Nuggets and the Lakers. Yeah, why would we be talking about that? Because, you know, LeBron threatening retirement. We already talked about that. That's, that's old news. Nuggets making history. Yeah, we, Nikola Jokic, a superstar. You know. We talking about the stars. The Dallas stars. Well, the other part I was going to get to, the reason why I went immediately to the Western Conference Final in the NBA, because what the stars in Game 3 was rather forgettable. Yeah, let's talk about it, right? Like, woof, 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 woof. On the ice and in the stands. I mean, we we were able to react somewhat instantly last night uh, to some of this, but there's been even more fallout from all of this. One, where, where do I start here? Um, I guess we start with the Jamie Ben. Let's right? start there. Jamie Ben with the cross check, he ends up leaving that game, and we find out today that he is getting a two-game suspension. Which I know I saw Zach Wolchuk say, well, see you next season, Jamie, because it seems like there is just no confidence in this team at all. Um, I know Marty Turco, former Stars goalie, uh, was on with Sean and RJ this morning, and he sounded dejected. Oh, it was like that? That That's kind of the incredible thing about it. It's oh like, my. from the 2 and 4 here, there's nothing more sad in professional sports than when a team quits. Do y'all remember the Wade Phillips last game, final game? Um, yeah, that wasn't pretty. <laughs> did you did you view that game, game three last night for the Stars, as them just quitting? Because they looked wholly unserious to me. Well, I can't even go down the road of quitting. I just went down the road of what it felt like was just undisciplined, mm-hmm. immature, like for a team as good as not composed, yes, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. for a team that has been as good as they have been all season, for everything to unravel within a matter of moments. We're talking about a goal that was scored within 71 seconds of the game beginning. Jamie Ben gets tossed a minute 53 into the game, and the wheels completely fell off from there. Ottinger gave up three goals. He got pulled. Wedgwood wound up giving up another goal himself. It was just a debacle from start to finish. I'm glad you mentioned Wedgwood because obviously we are on on the air. We've got TVs on, but we can't hear what's happening in the con- in the course of the game. Um, a friend of mine was telling me because he was watching the game. He was telling me that once Wedgwood got in, he he got his first save, and then the crowd went wild just on the idea that he saved the puck. And I was like, oh, it's there. Like that was the place that it was. Also, mind you, I think it was uh, three goals uh, given up by, um, sorry, by Ottinger, and he had only had two saves at that point. Like, that was where if it was just, it was inexcusable. And the question for me is, like, can they bounce back? 
right? Like, because someone mentioned on the Twitch chat, and I think it's fair. Like, you have the team that can contend with this, this, you know, with this Vegas Knights team, and that, that's what how we felt coming in, right? We had the conversation about you know scoring on the power play and the way that the Vegas Knights have not been good on the penalty kill per se. Uh, like, there's opportunities here. Um, well, I mean, if your goalie isn't playing very well, that's going to be a, a real tough part. If your defense is not holding up, that's going to be tough. But like, it really just feels like if you can compose yourself back. If you can, you know, get yourself back composed, maybe you can play. But that's that feels like the toughest part in sports is the mental aspect of it. Like we were talking about earlier with baseball. Mm-hmm. I do wonder how much and how deflating it was to lose not just game one in overtime, but then back it up and do it again in game two. Where at least you felt like you should have won one of those games. Like, felt you, played, like you played well enough in game two that you should have been able to take that. Yes, one. I thought that they did everything to earn that victory in game two and then to give it away late. And then within the first, you know, minute and a half of overtime, you know, lose game two and the carryover. I think where my mind goes is you look, Jamie Ben has been in this league for a long time. He has been the consummate professional and has done so for this team for a very long time. I just it's sad to me that the lasting image of his season is going to be, it appears, this based on what this team has achieved throughout the course of this year and everything that this team has gone through, that this moment for him will be the lasting image uh, that concludes his 2023, 2022-2023 uh, campaign for the Stars. Yeah, it's kind of, but that also is kind of why all this was so surreal. Of all the people to make that that decision in that moment, whether Didn't it's going to be him. That dude? Yeah, And not then him. also to then, like, exasperate that with Ooh. the decision to just leave? That was, that, I think that's the one that made me go, oh, this feels like it's it's the rapidity rap on the seats. Yeah, because you never look. We can get all into the platitudes of what it means to be a captain, this, that, and the third. What you can't do as captain is evade the tough situation and responsibility that you put your team in. Because you shouldn't have to ask your teammates and Pavelski and others to get out here and speak for you. Shouldn't be the case. And that's exactly what happened uh, last night. And he did speak today on the situation itself. And, of course, the NHL handed down the two-game suspension uh, for him in these in this series. Now, now, how much of the way that this is viewed... Because I kind of want to talk about this. Obviously, we got the thing where the fans... A, a section of fans started throwing stuff onto the ice. Sure. I know that Corey Majors was out at the game, and he was saying that he felt like in the section that he was in, he heard a lot of folks that were calling that trash behavior. But the problem is, you, you, it's it's hard to be like, well, that was a small subsection, right? Because I was listening to KNC. This is how I heard about Corey's portion of it, and they were talking about, well, you know, we don't do that. Toronto fans do that. And I'm sure that there's people in Toronto that goes, no, that was a small subsection of fans. Like, this is how this is how you're going to be viewed as in a fan base, as a staff, like, record label and crew. Right? And so, I understand the idea that this was a frustrating game. Like, it was frustrating from the start. You didn't get any good times in this game. It started off, and it was frustration. Right? So, with that being the case, um, I get being frustrated, but that can't be the way it comes out. Right? Like, there's no, like, that. that's point blank, period. But how can and how should fans express their displeasure? Because I think that there was a lot of fair displeasure to want to to express. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, now whether you're voicing your displeasure when it came to the actual play from the Stars on the Ice, the officiating that was happening during the course of the game as well, however you felt like things were going wrong for your team and the circumstances in which that was created for your team, it is completely inexcusable for anyone to decide to start throwing objects onto the playing surface, whether it be the diamond, the ice, the football field, whatever. Not just because it's unbecoming, but two, it's a damn safety hazard. Sure. Imagine if somebody's on the ice, one of your players, one of your favorite players is on the ice, and you pelt them with something, and next thing you know, they get hurt. They had to actually stop the second period 21 sec- with 21 seconds left because of the debris being thrown on the ice. Stars fans have been terrific throughout the course of this postseason and the way that they go about their fandom for this team. That was not their best moment last night at the American Airlines Center. And me as someone, and let's just be, I'm going to be completely honest, someone who descends upon the sport at certain points of the year yeah. because of the bandwidth that it takes to not only cover you know, the NFL, the NBA, and everything else that comes with that, this is the time of the year where we get to descend upon the sport and be able to watch this team very specifically. And for this to be a moment in time for this fan base to be remembered by, even if it was a small section of fans that did it, it's not the way that you want your fans to be viewed knowing how good this fan base is for the Dallas Stars and how well they support this team. Sure, and I think that this can open up to a larger conversation because we've had a few instances over the last half decade uh, and probably longer, but just the ones that come to mind for me where we've had instances between players on the playing surface, whatever it may be, and fans. And, you know, just kind of wanting to parse some of, like, because... Expressing displeasure is something that you're going to want to do as a fan. There's, sure. I mean, you can look around this Metroplex and there's folks that are real upset about various things. But like within the and course have so of been it, for two plus decades. This is, <laughs> if you want to talk about the Cowboys in particular, we can't. Um, but like, what are the ways to do that? Like, I, I'm interested. Like, what do you feel is in bounds and out of bounds? Truck or the uh, text line 877-881-1053. Because the first thing that comes to mind is obviously booing. And like. Sometimes we we get out here and we, we'll even talk about the the fans that were booing their team when they get going bad, right? But that one still feels within the realm of reasonable, right? Like, sure. Saying saying wild stuff from the fans. Yeah, I mean to a point. I mean we're not gonna get out here and start throwing out you know you know racial taunts and you know epithets and all that kind of thing. Like you know keep it clean. Um, but yeah, voicing displeasure is part of the fan experience. Yeah, but like, there's got there's got to be a, a certain line, and I'm wondering where that line actually exists, and like what because I don't know exactly how to how to parse this out. But yeah, like clearly those folks were upset, and they got us. Someone was saying that those fans were found and banned. But yeah, man, we got to be able to get out here and like. I'm, I'm sure there's folks that want to be able to, like, make it known, make it very apparent that, you know, they don't like the way that the Mavs went or they don't like the way that the Cowboys went. And maybe they look up and they go, the boos don't feel like it's enough. Well, yeah, and that's the part where you have to understand what you are as a fan in those moments, mm-hmm. that voicing displeasure is part of the game. It's part of the experience of being able to cheer on your team, but having a common understanding of where the line needs to be drawn with that ire being put towards your favorite player or your favorite team. Because if you don't understand that line, not only does it affect the experience that you have as a fan, but it also affects the experience 
of the fans that are around you as well, mm-hmm. whether it be children, teenagers, or other adults who are there as an escape to be able to watch their favorite team play, and then you ruin the experience by doing the kinds of things that would not be becoming of a fan who is passionate about their team but unable to express it in a way that's productive that also allows the experience for everyone around you to feel some sense of community. In right. That, way. that everyone around you is interesting because we've got people now commenting in. We appreciate you texting in. Uh, someone. And this is actually interesting because I, I figured that there were probably some people that thought this from the 972. I don't give a damn if your team is getting swept. If they're in the conference championship, you don't boo. You're a moron if you boo them. So that's actually interesting. They're like, don't even boo your team. So... I like no. I find I mean, that interesting. Yeah, if 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 your team's not performing, you have every right to boo your team. Yes, they were playing within the confines of trying to play for a championship or being close to getting to a championship. But if they're not playing well, they're not playing well, and you can let your team know about it. I mean, I think that's part of being a good fan. It's like, hey, y'all ain't playing well tonight. Fix this. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and uh, we got from the a one seven booing leaving. That's always, I guess, you know. Which was happening last night. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> someone said trash talk that's not overtly uh, offensive, all within bounds. And then someone from the 682 says that they were there, and uh, they said luckily they were in one of the suites and didn't hit, get hit by something. But apparently people from the third, there were some people from the third level throwing things that were hitting their own fans. See, that's what I'm talking about. Right. You're like, you're ruining the experience for others around you. And again, on just a common sense level. It's a safety hazard because let someone get hit by the object that you threw and they get the gumption to sue you for injury or whatever the case. I mean, I'm taking it to the extreme, but that's some of the things you have to think about. If you're going to be a fan engaging in that kind of behavior, what are the repercussions, not just for yourself, but the individuals that you are involving because of your actions and what that could possibly mean? Not to mention, didn't someone say that those fans got caught for throwing that stuff and they were banned? That's hustling all the way backwards. I'm not going to put my hard-earned tickets, money, and everything else that I tried to get to the game in jeopardy because I'm upset. I'm not throwing nothing on the ice because I want to come back to these games. And I get a permanent ban? No, nah, man. That's that's hustling backwards in my mind. Can't do it. Uh, we'll see if the Stars, though, can find a way to stay. Find off. something within them. Oh, boy. Because... Show the fans something. Because I think that's also part of this is, like, now you've gotten to the place where the fans have – Probably gone to them, definitely gone too far in their reaction, at least some section of the fans. But the fans in general at large are really disappointed. And if you, you go out, go out respectably. There you go. Like, that's what I would love to see from the stars. Even if you lose, like, give an effort that is becoming of the great season that you've had Correct. And, and the ways that the fans have rallied around them during this playoff run. So get right, Reggie KG, right here on 105 3 The Fan. Coming up next. Eight players primed to make an all-pro leap in 2023, including this Dallas Cowboy. Let's talk about it next on the Get Right. Eight players primed to make an all-pro leap in 2023 in the National Football League, including this Dallas Cowboy. It's the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105 through the fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atula. Larry D. Flores holding it down for you here. Coming up in 17 minutes, got a really fun conversation. That's going to get you all involved on the text line, 877-881-1053. What's the greatest, perform- the greatest y'all lost performance that you can recall? I'll have to explain that one because I'm not sure if people will get it just yet.
but it's coming. Well, I'm looking forward to that because I it made me think of one in particular performance in a y'all lost moment situation that I will never, ever forget. Uh, we'll do that at 840 here on the Get Right. At Kevin Gray Sports, at Reg, at Atula, if you want to give us a follow there on Twitter. Uh, give you an update on what's happening in the Eastern Conference Final in the NHL. It is 2-2 two two with 12-20 left between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers as the Panthers are trying to complete the uh, clean sweep of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, right now, though, tied 2-2 two two in South Florida um, as it looked like a hurricane took a puck to, to the knee. knee. Uh, that looked rather devastating. I'm I'm so happy that I don't have like some level of reference for how much that hurts, having never played hockey, but like even just the what I imagine on how much that hurts. Like my knee's starting to hurt just yeah, thinking about like, Yeah, I'm getting those what, what do they call do they call those sympathy pains? Yeah, like, like that is yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, that's uh and remind me which star uh, was it these playoffs that took a puck to the face? That was uh that was Miro Haskinen. Yikes, man. Like Hockey players are oh, yeah. a I'd different be, breed, man. I'd be wearing that whole because he brought back the fishbowl after yeah, yeah, it because you know obviously when you get hit you have to protect that you have to protect your face for for a period of time afterwards. Um, I'm like, yeah, I would be wearing that to start. Why did we? <laughs> Wait, like this is mandatory for me. Thanks. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I I find it to be such a uh, and of course like I'm just I'm not built like a hockey player clearly and I don't mean like stature wise I mean just like uh, their demeanor and everything. Uh, because they just be out here getting hit in the mouth and spitting the tooth out and never worrying about putting it back in, right? Like I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't need, I don't need the completely no face mask or whatever visor. I don't need like this, just a small visor. I need the full thing that goes all the way over my That's face, right. covers my chin as well. Like, in fact, let me get the whole uh, goalie get up. <laughs> I'll skate, but I need all these pads. In on. fact, just hide me on the bench. Don't even worry about <laughs> it. Don't, don't even worry about it. Can I get one of these suits? Uh, yeah, exactly. Just give me the whole face mask, you know, the suit, just just give it all to me and I'll just I'll just sit here and uh watch y'all work. Yeah, hockey players are a different a different set of dudes and shout out to them for their toughness because let me tell you some not me can't do it. Uh cuz those are some real tough tough guys. Speaking of tough guys, uh NFL players are comprised of a bunch uh, the NFL are, are comprised of a bunch of tough guys. Uh, including these eight individuals who are primed to make an all-pro leap going into 2023. This comes from Maurice Moten of Bleacher Report. Good NFL writer. I actually respect his work over there. Oh, wow. Not the actually. Oh, that was kind of some underlying Yeah, shady, the actually felt shady. Like I, I respect that was his that work. was that was unintentional shit. I know I know it was unintentional, yeah, but yeah. it just it hit me. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. When I said it, and then the way you reacted, I was like, "Ooh, yeah, my bad." Yeah, that was a little a little shade thrown toward uh, Bleacher Reports way. Oh man, from the eight six zero on the text line, they Uh-oh. said they played Division three hockey as a goalie. Okay. Uh, when you get a puck to the knee, it feels like it literally locks your knee bent into place, and you cannot move it without severe pain. Oh, okay. Once they had to have someone drive them home, it's awful and usually happens once a season as a goalie. That sounds hella painful. Yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> do not want. Nope. Do not want. Good on it. that. Uh, from the eight, was this the eight six zero? Right on the top of the knee is the worst. All right. Uh, let us know on the text line where is the worst place to take a puck to the body? I feel like they're all tied for first. <laughs> Touche. Touche. 
Eight players, though, who are primed to make a All-Pro leap in 2023. Now, this list is very interesting because one of these players actually made an All-Pro team last year. In fact, was a second-team All-Pro. So I didn't necessarily understand how he was included on this list, but we'll get to that player here in just a second. Um, number one, though, on the list, Joe Burrow poised to make an All-Pro leap. I found this so interesting. Because Joe Burrow has been incredible as a football player. We understand this in his first three seasons. Um, The tough thing about the all-pro list is, are you one of the two best quarterbacks in the league? Like, there's, it's just, it's it's not expansive, right? It's not the Pro Bowl, which he has, he has been to, by the way, last season. Um, It's not, it's not like all NBA where it's like, yeah, there's a, there's a few at your position. There are two in the entirety of the it's why I value personally not that anybody cares what I value but I personally value uh all pros when we start talking about Same. NFL Hall of Fame considerations because that means that for a season you are one of the two best at least when it comes to quarterback and then when we get to certain positions it expands out just a little bit but you were one of the best of a very small population of your or a very small percentage of your whole position group and that speaks to your caliber and your quality um, what have we been talking about with the NFL? It's just how many good quarterbacks are available. And of course, I understand all pro is not separated into leagues, but even just in the AFC, there, there are so many really good quarterbacks. So the idea that he is poised to jump up and become, you know, one of the two best quarterbacks when it feels like Patrick Mahomes has one of those spots locked down consistently. Correct. I understand that he's played well enough to be in that, uh, in that caliber. So I don't want to try and knock him in that way, but I just... It's going to be tough for him. He's going to have the ball. Because as you mentioned, one of those all-pro spots is on lock every single year as long as Patrick Mahomes remains healthy. Now the wild card comes in when you look at quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson. um, You look at the rest of the NFL. I mean, your all-pro quarterbacks, for the most part, are going to come from the AFC. Yeah. And uh, look. From the six eight two, fair point. A lot of they say that they think most people would agree that Joe Burrow is one of the two best in the league. I think that he's he's very likely around that place, but I don't know that I could say that with some certainty. But okay, you know, I guess the idea of poised to be able to jump into it, he is poised to have that happen. He's got a great offense around him. They've got a lot of talent. Um, so very inter- interested to see how that goes for him. Question is, can the offensive line protect him? Uh, and if they can. They are going to be phenomenal. Nick Chubb comes in at number two, running back from Cleveland, poised for an all-pro leap. Now, he is a four-time Pro Bowler already. Mm -hmm. And, of course, last year ran for a career-high 1,525 yards along with 12 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, that's a tough thing for me. He had he played the whole season last year. That was, was one of the things great. that you would have knocked him on is that yeah, but he gets hurt. You know, he misses some time. He played all the games. He was really really good. Was not all pro. And so I'm like, are, are we getting to a point? Because again, we've seen five seasons. I mean, it feels crazy to do this in football. But then Who you're was like, first team all pro from the running backs. Right. Was it Jonathan? Ta- no, it wasn't Jonathan Taylor. Was it? I have to go. But my point being, as I think we're still we're starting to get to this point where in his career where we start going. Are we are we in or past the prime of what he is and what he's capable of doing? And I think that's where woof, no idea. So if he all if we Josh can bet Jacobs, on him, okay. if we can bet on him to play all the all these games again and do this again, 
all right, poised to do this. Also, you would you would hope that they are not as bad as they were last season because that obviously you missed a lot of games with who you wanted to be your starting quarterback, and when that who you wanted to be the starting quarterback came back, he was awful. So maybe if that all flips up and he ends up, you know, Deshaun Watson ends up playing better, and then you have the team success, Nick Chubb's individual success shines. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that works out for him. But I think we're I'm starting to look at it like, ooh, if he hasn't gotten it yet, I wonder how how much love he'll get in that way. Uh, by the way, it was Josh Jacobs who was first team All Pro from the running back position. So uh, we're talking about first team All Pro in this instance because if we have people that have made, because yeah, Nick Chubb was second team. All pro, was he not? I'll have to go back and get the the full list. Um, but that just gives you an idea of how good the running back position was. Um, oh. Associated Press second team all pro. Yeah, no, he's second team all pro. Okay, I'm sorry. I was forgive me, I was looking at the NFL PA uh first team because they had their own first team all pro list this past year. I was looking at the NFL PA list. So forgive me for that. I had that. Uh, incorrect when it came to the all-pro team. I was looking at the NFL PA one. Um, NFL players prime to take an all-pro leap. Now, here's who comes in at number three. Now, remember I mentioned a player who actually made second-team all-pro last year? Mm-hmm. Number three is C.D. Lamb. He was second-team all-pro. I guess I'm questioning he he wasn't already an all-pro. Yeah. <laughs> so, so are, we, are we just talking about first team at I this point? I guess going to first team all-pro. Can I circle back to Joe Burrow now? Or <laughs> we want to talk about Joe Burrow as the first team all-pro quarterback? And again, I understand great offense. All those things still, it just feels like Patrick Mahomes gets this off of the, I mean, one, being incredible, but like the name. It feels like we have really easily slotted him as the best quarterback in the league without being able to shake this. Anyways, back to CeeDee Lamb. Um, yeah. Supposedly, offense is supposed to be like get better for them, be a little less stale, a little bit less predictable. And he has made himself a bona fide wide receiver one. I see how that goes, right? Like, I see how that comes together. Um, last year, he hauled in like 14, almost 1,400 yards. You said, you tell me this thing gets more, gets more complete, gets more together. I mean, the only thing that makes it even better for him is if he goes off for what, over 1,600 yards. 12, 13 touchdowns. How do, you, how do you feel about that possibility with the idea that the offense maybe is better or with the hope that the offense is more streamlined, but then also with the understanding that you're feeding maybe some more people and you hope that for like Michael Gallup to be more on pace, he, you know, back to what you would hope that he gets more yards and Brandon Cooks is going to have his that he needs and you're going to have the tight ends involved, right? Like, uh, how do you feel in that regard that he has the opportunity to do that? Well, if this offense is going to be as explosive as we believe it can be, it starts and ends with CeeDee Lamb being the focal point, Mm -hmm. which means he has to get 150 targets. He's got to have over 1,200, 1,300 yards receiving. He's got to have close to double-digit touchdowns because everyone else is going to eat off of CeeDee Lamb because what he represented going into this year based off his season last year is that he has to be accounted for now on every single offensive snap, which means somebody is going to have a chance to get freed up to make plays, whether it be Cooks, Michael Gallup, hopefully Jalen Tolbert, these tight ends. Everyone now is going to eat off of CeeDee Lamb. Um, So I think he still has to have that kind of production to continue to produce at that high level. A couple other names that made this list, one that Cowboys fans are sick of hearing about, um, Hassan Reddick for the Philadelphia Eagles, who was an absolute monster last year. 
first Pro Bowl nod, 16 sacks, 11 tackles for loss, a league-leading five forced fumbles. He was second-team All-Pro and just 28 years of age and still got a lot left in the tank going forward for the Eagles. Yeah, and the thing about it is the Eagles have – it's one of the reasons why Howie Roseman has gotten so much praise is that they have continued to um, invest in both offensive and defensive line. And so with that being the case, the way that those guys, the individuals on those lines have produced, you anticipate that that remains because they have the same support. And if that talent remains, which you, you, you know, alluded to the idea that he has the age, you know, he's in that time where you should be in his prime and still being able to produce that there's a possibility that you see those numbers again. And with that defense as ferocious as it is and Hassan Reddick leading it should be that much more productive this year. Another one that I'll mention, especially with him being in the NFC East before we go to break, uh, Deron Payne. Deron Payne last year, 64 tackles, 18 tackles for loss, nearly 12 sacks, five pass breakups, and a safety. (laughs) What? How do you have five pass breakups from the defensive tackle position? Get your hands up. Uh, Get in the quarterback's face. Look, that's why Deron Payne uh, got paid. (laughs) Of course, got that four-year, $90 million contract extension with $60 million of it guaranteed. And here's the wild part. Deron Payne, only 25 years old. Going to be around for a long time. Yeah, don't remind me of that. <laughs> a long time. Don't worry, Tyler Biotis getting better. Yes, he is getting better. Yeah. 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 That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. That's the spirit. Yeah. Eight NFL players <laughs> primed <laughs> to take an all-pro leap. He is a monster. Deron Payne is a monster. S. Doc is seven on the Twitch test says, I wish he was 36. <laughs> we do, too. Move him along. <laughs> so do we. Coming up next on the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105 Through the Fan. Um, What's the greatest, I didn't lose, y'all lost effort that you can remember uh, in sports? We'll talk about it next on 105 Through the Fan. Back here on the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan. What's the greatest y'all lost performance that you can recall? Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula, Larry D. Flores holding it down for you. Appreciate you joining us on this Wednesday night. Hopefully happy, safe, and sound as we start to wind down the month of May. My daughter's uh, kindergarten graduation tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Like, were y'all doing anything special for it? Just going to the ceremony? Yeah, just going to the ceremony. <laughs> Here's the funny part. They sent all her stuff home today because <laughs> they have a half day of school tomorrow. <laughs> they was like, yeah, well, yeah, take y'all kids home. We were tired of seeing y'all kids. We'll just bring them back tomorrow so we can we can smile, take pictures, but <laughs> take all the stuff. That's right. Take all that stuff. Um, at the top of the hour, the most complete NFL teams going into 2023. But we won't belabor the time anymore because I'm really excited about this uh, this particular piece of conversation we're gonna have here. Yeah, I, I love uh, you know watching sports in general, but you know you get these instances where a player has an incredible individual performance, but their team still loses, and that always feels to me like that player should go back into the locker room and be like, "Hey, I ain't lose, y'all lost, <laughs> right?" <laughs> So I'm interested in what are the what are all what are the greatest 
y'all lost performances that you could think of where just an individual played incredible, but their team just kind of let them down or just wasn't enough compared to like what they were facing. Um, is there one that comes to mind for you? Because the yard barker actually put together a list of 25 of these sorts of things. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I wonder how close to the top it made this list. So, two and four. I'll get to that one because that was one, but <laughs> it kind of went the other way because he was kind of the culprit. But anyway, <laughs> um, right. Okay, let's go back to was it 2016? No, no, no. Hell, the Cavs and the the Warriors played so many damn times in the NBA Finals. Yeah, is it twenty? Maybe twenty eighteen. Is it eighteen? Yeah, it was one of the years where they obviously clearly did not win. I'm trying to remember. Was that seventeen? Well, anyway, it, it was J.R. Smith. LeBron went it was off. J.R. Smith. It? Yes, year. he went what fifty? He had over fifty points in the game, and J.R. It was twenty eighteen. You're it, right. Okay, it was, it was the one that ended it. Because yeah, that was that the sweep year. That had to be, or they lost in five. But yeah. Anyway, no, that, that was a sweep year. Yeah. So LeBron, what was it? That's the ultimate y'all lost. He had what 50, 51 in the game. Fifty-one. Yeah, and shooting sixty percent from the field, mind you. The ultimate. Hey, y'all lost this game, bro. J.R. Smith, you. What are you doing? <laughs> like not only it's not no only y'all lost like I did everything and I put you in position and all you had to do was remember what's happening in the game right now remember the game situation and J.R. Smith was like huh <laughs> we running out the clock right I'm no like, we need to bu- get the bucket we need to- okay yeah man that that's that's an all time now the one that the uh, 214 mentioned yes. that was the original one that I thought yes. of yes when Tony Romo went ham on the Denver Broncos for what five touchdown passes? That's that right, five hundred and six yards. He was so damn good that day, and yet we couldn't say it was on y'all because Tony actually threw the interception that kind of ended it. Yeah, but somebody got to put in. <laughs> I put up four five hundred and six of these things, man. <laughs> y'all can't give me something. Y'all let them score fifty one points, man. You know what's wild about that day? You know who had a rushing touchdown in that game? Peyton Manning, the slowest rushing touchdown. And this is when I started ever see. This is when I started calling him Williams Manning. <laughs> no, this is a little bit before that. Peyton Manning was still somewhat all right coming in that season. I think we it, it was another season or two before it was like, oh, this doesn't even look like Peyton. That was twenty fifteen, if I remember. Was that this is twenty thirteen? Twenty thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. Woo. Yeah. But yeah, Braun in game one of that 18 NBA finals where he just did literally everything. And J.R. Smith's like, well, so what? And then Tony Romo going ham on the Denver Broncos at AT&T Stadium. Phenomenal. Y'all lost that game. <laughs> uh, somebody on the truck, on the text line uh, from the 214, Jordan had 63 and lost versus Boston. That was a two-overtime game, mind you. Um, yep. The 86 Eastern Conference Finals game two or sorry first round first round game uh or first round series rather in game two i'm trying to look at this box score right now where michael jordan shot 22 of 41 good for 54 percent thereabouts <laughs> did not take a three-point shot so all these were two pointers or getting to the free throw line 63 points only had four turnovers 
Like, I mean, four turnovers is, is a little bit, but when you consider that he just had the ball in his hands the whole – he played 53 minutes in that game. Let's see. What else? All right. Who do you think scored outside – like, what do we think is, like, the scores outside of Michael Jordan 63? Did Orlando Woolridge play in that game? Orlando Woolridge played, and he scored 24. Oh, okay. So he put in some work. Yeah, Orlando Woolridge was like, I'll help you out a little bit. Although he was nine of twenty-seven from the field. <laughs> what was Craig Hodges doing that day? Uh, not a Craig Hodges. Uh, he, he ain't play if he was in there. Um, your boy your, Charles Oakley, Big Oak. He probably had what five. He gave you ten points, five <laughs> solid fouls. Of course he did. And then outside of that, nobody else was in double digits. Sounds about right. You want to look over at the Boston Celtics where Larry Burr had 36, Kevin McHale had 27, Danny Ainge had 24, Dennis Johnson put up 15, Robert Parrish had 13. Bill Walton with them crazy knees came in, was like 10 points for you. How unfair is it to stare at the other side and you're watching Larry Bird, Kevin McHale with all the old man moves, Mm -hmm. then got the nerve to have Robert Parrish out here putting Mm -hmm. in work. Mm -hmm. Danny Ainge, like, Robert Parrish didn't jump, mind you. That's right. Robert Parrish was like, I'm going to stay on the ground. It works better down here. <laughs> Celtics was so damn good, bro. Um, but, yeah, that that is a uh, a true y'all lost that game type of uh, um, situation. Okay, so this one's interesting because I'm trying to remember exactly what the circumstances were. From the 309, they said the Devin Booker 70-point game. And I don't know how – do you consider this because Devin Booker was 20 years old. Right. At this, and this was a Phoenix team that was no good at that point. Uh, this was 2017. Sun Celtics. Oh, this was the Isaiah Thomas Celtics. Oh, boy. All right, here's the starting lineup. See if this jogs your memory at all. Devin Booker, clearly. Tyler Eulis. You remember wow. Tyler Eulis from Kentucky? Yeah, little, from Kentucky, little, yeah. little cat, little cat. Yeah. Um, who is this? I don't even know who that is. Derek Jones Jr. Forgot he played with the Suns. Um, Marquise Chris. Remember when he came through here? That was fun. And Alex Lynn. <laughs> that was your starting lineup for the Suns. Like, what? Of course they lost. Who else was he supposed to depend on? No wonder he had to go for 70 that night. And yeah. Isaiah Thomas pieced them up for 34. Although I guess they said pieced them up while he dropped 70. <laughs> what was the final score of that game? 130 to 120. <laughs> and Devin Booker had 70 yep. of the 120? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see from the 972. <laughs> Luka in both series against the Clippers. All right. Yeah. Mm. Well, if we want to talk about putting up all these points, uh, remember the bubble when we had what was like a crazy situation? Jamal Murray dropped 50 against the Utah Jazz, and they lost because the other cat over there was also dropping 50. Donovan Mitchell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That that hoop in the bubble was some of the best basketball that you will ever see because all they had to do – the only thing they had the time to focus on was hooping. Like, we go into our room, we'll play this arcade game, eat this meal, and we come in the hoop. And they were down there balling in Orlando. Yeah, Jamal Murray was on one, man. That was great. So, apparently there was a game where Barry Bonds uh, took on the Angels. Uh, what was this? 0-2 World Series? Oh, when he hit a bazillion home runs in the World Series? Yeah, 30 plate appearances, four homers, two doubles, walked 13 times. Seven of those intentional. He hit a home run in Anaheim that still hasn't landed yet. He struck out three times, meaning he homered more than he struck out in that Of course series. he did. 
You know why? Because he's Barry Bonds. Because he's Barry freaking Lamar Bonds. You want to hear what the numbers were in that series? Batting average starts with a four. 471. <laughs> 700 on base percentage. <laughs> One two nine four slugging percentage and what? a one point nine nine four OPS. Boys and, and girls, I don't think you understand. And that was not a win. How good Barry Lamar Bonds was as a baseball player. They lost that series, man. What, what are you supposed to do? How much more do you do? Like, hey, Jeff Kent, can I get some help, please? How much more do you do? JT Snow, you know, can I get some backup over here? Good gracious. Uh, from the 214, Steve McNair carried the Tennessee Titans in the Super Bowl. Uh, from the 682, Marcus Page in the last five minutes of the 2015 national title game against Villanova. Oh, man. Oh, that's a callback. Wow. Um. Oh, yeah, 325. Yeah. See, you went with a real specific Luka playoff game. Luka, when he had that 46 <laughs> and 14 assists or something like that in game seven against Kawhi and Paul Jones when they lost that game. Yeah, but yeah, yeah and I guess that's a good one. How Y'all much, lost. <laughs> how, yeah, how much did we throw that up when it was just like, oh, the machine turned the game up to all Madden. <laughs> that was because Kawhi Leonard was just like, oh, let me turn the settings up to 11. Yes. By the way, that was that game six in Dallas. Oh, my God. Do we give Kawhi Leonard enough credit for being like just a super incredible playoff performer? No, we don't. That game six that he had in Dallas is one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Like, he refused to allow the Clippers to lose that game. They weren't losing that night. I don't care what Luka did. I don't care what anybody did for the Mavericks that night. Kawhi Leonard said, we're not losing tonight. And that's what happened. I'm trying to remember. Uh, from the six eight two, they say you Darvish blown perfect game. Was that the one against Houston? Uh, oh boy, I can't remember off the top of my head. We'll have to look that up. Because he had a couple of them, didn't he? Yeah, that one's escaping me at the top of my head at the moment. No, that was against Houston. But it they, was. No, no, that's not because they won that game. They just blew the. So I'm, I got to remember what the other one is. Uh, someone mentioned, uh, we already mentioned earlier, 214, the Tony Romo. Um, Tony Romo against Peyton Manning, five touchdowns, 506 yards. Uh, Julio uh, no, Jones. it was against Houston. Back in 2013, on the road, within he was uh, one out away. And they from, lost that game? From a perfect game. Oh, they won. Yeah, I'm saying. So it wasn't a y'all lost situation. Yeah, that's true. He, he just yeah. didn't get his perfect game, which perfect he should have. Um, but y'all keep those rolling in on the uh, on the text line there. Barry Eight. Sanders' entire career, greatest negative five yard runs ever, <laughs> ever. Or you could also throw up there uh, Calvin Johnson if you want to do entire careers. Like just no, Calvin Johnson was not the issue in any of those situations. The Detroit Lions as a franchise feels like a y'all lost situation. I love Calvin Johnson as a football player, but the one day I hated him the most. You remember that one time he went for over 300 on the Cowboys? Oh, no. I'm going to have to look this one yeah, up. Yeah, look at that stat yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. look at that, that stat line. We'll talk about that on the other side, I guess. The most complete NFL teams going into the 2023 NFL season. We do it next in the Get Right.